Hey y'all, welcome to the latest episode of Where All the Ladies At. My name's Kim, your history nerd turned podcaster. And this podcast is all about the ladies of history and how people tend to forget that they exist a lot. And which is weird because you have to have women to have people. So the fact that they tend to get left out can be a little irritating and a little frustrating too. That being said, welcome to this episode. Today's episode is going to transport us to Renaissance Italy. And who doesn't want to go to Italy, first off? Let me just tell you, it's a beautiful country. I've been there and it's amazing. But the history in it itself plays an integral part in obviously the world with the Roman Empire and the Renaissance and a ton of other things that happen where Italy seems to be the base out of. Now, today we're focusing on one of the women of Italy, Caterina Sforza, the warrior's countess of Forli and Imola. Before we dive into her story, though, we have to have just a quick look at the Medici family because Caterina Sforza has a direct tie with them and really came into history because of them. The Medicis are an infamous family. Even if you're not really into history, You've probably seen there's television shows, there's movies, there's books. The Medicis really played a pivotal role in Italy's history as well as the world. This family started with nothing and became prominent patrons and political players during the Italian Renaissance. They rose to power in Florence during the 15th century. They brought about improvements in the environment through really nurturing artistic, cultural, and intellectual achievements. They supported artists like Leonardo da Vinci, Michelangelo, and Botticelli. They influenced political figures, and they had multiple popes in their family. They had an intense diplomatic network, along with a banking prowess and financial acumen that contributed to a lot of the economic development of Italy, in particular Florence, but Italy in general. Because of their impact on all this, their legacy really transcended Italy itself. And they began to have influence in international policies and shaping alliances and contributing the borders and all of this, right? So the Medicis really impacted and left an indelible mark on the golden age of intellectual and artistic brilliance that was the Renaissance. So where does Katarina Sforza fit in? That's what we're going to talk about in a little bit. This woman is quite amazing. And I think though she was portrayed in the uh, show The Medicis, I think think she still doesn't get the credit she deserves for being who she was, doing what she did, and when she did it. That being said, just like we had to have a little interval with who the Medicis were, we really need to dive into what women's lives were during this time in Italy. Sometimes I feel like I'm going to really be on a broken record, especially if I continue to do people from the 15th and 16th century, because the truth is that across Europe and the known world and the educated world, women's roles were pretty Mm, similar across the board, right? So for Katerina Sforza, she was born into Italy and into a well-known family, but she still was confined to the traditional roles of family and society, though she didn't really fit into those. That meant that her primary responsibility really included managing the household and having kids and ensuring domestic happiness was had by all. This led to people limiting their access to education, and oftentimes they weren't allowed to go out in public without their men. And speaking of men, marriages, right? At this time in history, just like with our last episode, marriages were tended to be arranged, and they were 
really business deals, not so much love deals, right? The families were looking at what they could get out of it, not whether the women consented or chose this man. They were supposed to only marry people within their social classes, and it was basically just to improve, familiar ties and enhance the social status. The, the idea of true love or marrying for love was something that was very rare and not really normal. Along with this lovely arranged marriage situation came like a lack of legal rights. They really didn't have much to be thankful for. Everything that they owned was always the property of their fathers or husbands. They had absolutely no control over finances and inheritance laws favored male heirs, which meant if you were, even if you were an upper class person, odds were that you weren't gonna get Jack if you were a woman, but your brother who maybe was not as smart as you or not as talented as you is gonna get everything because he has something you don't. <laughs> and that is ridiculous. However, in the absence of male relatives, women did find themselves sometimes in a little bit of power, but more often than not, it left them very vulnerable and had little means to support. So that meant they had to go out and find themselves a man. Now, when you think of Italy, I'm sure you think of the Vatican. There's a lot of things you probably think of, right? So the religious aspect of the life at that time was very important, especially in Italy. The Catholic Church was the ruling power in all intents and purposes. And this shaped women's lives a lot. It left them with religious teachings where they were taught they had to be modest and chaste and obedient. They were supposed to be pious and devoted to their families and really stick to those traditional gender roles and expectations which, you know, no shade on them. Now looking back at it, it all looks very antiquated and very misogynistic, and it was, but during the time period, that's how they lived their life. Now, the last thing I wanna talk about, because the Medici's played such a big role in art, is the artistic and intellectual constraints that came with being a woman. During this time, art was flourishing in Italy, but women had little access to opportunities in the art and scholarships, just like they had little to no access to anything, really. There were very few women who actually pursued artistic or scholarly careers and oftentimes they were overlooked and they may some of these women may actually be subjects of future episodes of where all the ladies at women were who engaged in artistic fields often faced very high societal barriers and were few and far between which is sad because almost certainly there were tons of talented women at that time who just didn't get the opportunity to explore their creative side so that's how the lives of women in 15th and 16th century Italy ran. And honestly, like I said, it's really the way that lives in most parts of the world ran at that time for women. So I guess now that we have an idea of what women were having to deal with and a little bit about the Medici's to kind of give you a little bit of backstory into Caterina, we can actually jump into the woman herself, Caterina Sforza, the warrior Countess of Forli and Imola. Just before I get started, I'm not sure, like I'm still playing with the formats, so if I do something that you guys really dig and are thinking it's kind of fun, please let me know. I want to try to make this as interactive as possible and build a community that has good dialogue around all these fantastic women and, and all that stuff. So I just wanted to make that note real quick before I jumped into talking about Katarina Sforza. You know, this woman, wow. Okay, so let's jump into her story. Okay, Katarina Sforza, picture. Katarina Sforza is born in January of 
1481. She's actually the illegitimate daughter of Galeazzo Maria Sforza, the Duke of Milan. One note here, just like with everything else, know that sometimes I'm not going to pronounce stuff, so please be gentle with me. Thank you, and back to the story. So even though she was the illegitimate daughter, she was still raised amidst the splendor and intrigues of the Sforza court. And as they did back then, dad decided she really needed to get married, especially since she was an illegitimate child because she needed to be married into a house where it kind of gave her a little more legitimacy. I kind of think that's how he was thinking. At least I hope that's how he was thinking. So of course, they looked all around and they found the Lord of Imola and Forli, Girolamo, Girolamo Riorio. Now, here's where I have the problem. Okay, she's getting married, right? Great, perfect. They found her a match. It's it's arranged. Yada yada yada. But it's she's 10 years old when they get married. And, you know, odds are he was probably not 10, right? I I don't really I couldn't really figure out the, his age, but he was older, of course. And so here's this 10-year-old marrying into this marriage where she's going to be expected to do things that she's not ready for. And so this is where I have a little bit of this is where the problem arises, all right? But once again, I try not to because this was back then and it was acceptable. Not really want to get on a rant about how it was inappropriate and everything. It just what how it was. And I don't know, some people might get mad at me saying that and that's fine. But when you're looking at history, looking through a lens of where our moralities and everything are at the time, sometimes skews the story and doesn't really allow you to really envelop into the history story itself. So I don't think it's right, first off, but it was what was being done at the time. Now, because she married so early though, she got to be a widow early. In her early 20s, the Lord was assassinated and this left her alone and put into a world of political machinations and warfare. Basically, it left her open. People wanted to marry her. People were trying to take her land and she said, no, I don't want to do that. I want, I want the power. I'm very happy holding this power. So despite the grief, because in, in time she did learn to really have affection for Riario, Katarina proved to be a pretty resilient and cunning leader, fending off everybody left and right. She successfully defended her territories against a lot of different threats. But even still, even though she was strong and able to defend, in the eyes of society, and probably in her own because that's how she was raised, she felt she really needed to have an allegiance and an alliance with someone. And if you're going to form an alliance, who better than the Medicis to do this with? So in order to do this, really the only way to get that done at that time was to marry into the Medicis, and that's what she did. She married the illegitimate son of Lorenzo, Giovanni di Medici, in 1494. Now this wasn't love, it wasn't anything, it was basically just a strategic alliance, and it was really aimed at not only helping her, but it bolstered the Medici influence in the region too, which meant that their influence was expanding even more. But unfortunately, the marriage didn't last long. Giovanni died rather suddenly, and there was Caterina again, no husband, and her alliance with the Medicis broken, basically. This was the catalyst for her to really try to up her game when it came to fortifying her family's interests. She didn't want to lose the land. She didn't want to lose the title. She didn't want to lose the money. She needed to find a way to do that, and she did. Now, where the history really gets interesting, where she really 
comes into a moment where she begins to shine is in 1499. 1499, the French has decided to invade Italy and they wind up capturing her and her children. During this captivity, you know, Katerina really proved her, her stamina and worth. She displayed a lot of courage and resilience during her captivity. She was defiant and steadfast. And because she kept to her personality, she really lived who she was. Her captors even respected her. So in the end, it all played out and the French were defeated and all of this, right? Now, Katerina Sforza became a symbol for female empowerment and political acumen. She made amazing decisions. She was willing to jump in and do everything that she needed to do to protect her family and, and its interests. And this left a lasting impact on all the Italian straits. It really showed that women could wield power effectively, which at that time, most of the guys were like, oh, they're women, they can't do that, which, well, fuck you, we can. But they didn't know it until some people had to show them. And it, it was great because this was a male-dominated world of Renaissance politics, but she held so much power and such a, a special place. And yes, she's primarily remembered because she had connections with the Medici family, it, but even still her impact on everything really highlighted the complexity and fluidity of the alliances in Renaissance Italy. You know, one minute you're aligned with someone, someone croaks, gets axed, murdered, you know, maybe you're involved. There are some rumors that that could be true, but either way it goes, like you still had that alliance and everything. Now, Catalina Sforza's life is a, I mean, she's just maybe one of the strongest women that ever lived. And you know, that's a big statement, but to be widowed at a young age, to be married at a young age, to live in a world of Renaissance Italy where the church and men run everything and still come out being remembered and having this legend surrounding you is absolutely stunning, you know? It's a determination and character, man. That's what she had. And that's why her story still inspires a lot of people. Now, I could go into way more, and I want you guys to weigh in on this. It's looking like these episodes are going to range about 30 minutes, between 20 and 30 minutes. If you want longer, I can definitely go into more detail. I just didn't want to really drag it on. And, you know, I know sometimes there's three and four hour podcasts, and sometimes it's hard for me to get through those, and I didn't want that. I want these to be quick snippets and hopefully it entices you enough to kind of go and research these women and also there'll be some short ebooks coming out in the future surrounding these women that I'm writing and working on right now so if you guys want a longer format please let me know I'm more than willing to go into way more detail so much so you might get sick of my voice and uh, that's what I'm afraid of so let me know like is 30 minutes good for you do you want longer I really want to create this podcast with you guys in mind and so that we can have, like I said, a good dialogue and you guys are entertained and you get all the information you want. And yeah, I just really want to find other people that are uh, fanatical as I am about history. All right, guys, so that is the story of Katarina Sforza. And now we're going to start looking at some of the interesting tales that have floated around about this magnificent woman.
All right, guys, now is one of my, this is, this is quickly becoming, I mean, I know this is only the episode two, but this is like quickly becoming one of my favorite parts of this show. The crazy things that people used to say about these women or the interesting and strange facts that are true, but never really talked about all fascinate me very, very much. And let me just tell you, Katarina Swartz is not, does not disappoint. Like some of the stories about her are, wow. All right, so. Let's start with poisonous lipstick. Yep, you heard it right, poisonous lap lipstick. Like, genius, right? Katarina Sforza was, is pretty well known for being intelligent and resourceful. So one of the one of the stories that floated around had her creating poisonous lipstick. And according to hi historical accounts, she devised a poison that could be applied to her lips, allowing her to kill her enemies with a kiss if she wanted to. It's not really clear whether this is accurately true, but it definitely sounds like something she she would do and pretty ingenious if she actually did it. Now, the next fact. All right, so at this time, a lot of richer people had exotic pets because it made them look rich, just like today. You know, you see it all over TikTok, those people with lions walking through their houses and everything, these exotic pets, right? So apparently, Katarina had a fascination for exotic animals, and that included pet tigers. That's right, she had, she was, she was the epitome of the most badass cat lady you've ever met. She kept these magnificent creatures roaming around her house so that you knew how wealthy and powerful she was. It was kind of rare for Italian nobility at the time, and that really showed that she was trying to stand apart from everybody else. You know, <laughs> it, I, it, I get it, but still, poor kitties. Now, here's when you're pregnant, and I don't, I just go off of what people told me because I don't have kids, so I, what the fuck do I know, right? But I'm pretty positive when you're pregnant, you don't really have a lot of energy or the will to like fend off charging masses of armies. But I mean, I guess that's unless you are Katarina Sforza because during a 1480 attack on, 1488 attack on Forley, Katarina was pregnant when she was defending her home with her son, Ottaviano. And despite the fact she was, you know, bursting at the seams, ready to have that kid, she participated in the defense of the city. She led her troops and inspired them with her bravery. And this is one of those times where, like, it really shows that she had a lot of courage and determination, even in the face of everything that th was throwing at her. Now, let's continue on talking about 1488, because another crazy fact and just a story that, I mean, I can definitely see her doing it, just from everything I've read and heard about her, right? So she was someone who kind of, once she got free of her first husband, she kind of just didn't want to deal with societal norms anymore. She was very brazen. And this story really shows you how brazen. So if this is true, and this is a legend, it says that during the siege of Forley in 14.8, when she was still pregnant, she literally rode through the city streets on horseback, buck ass naked. She wanted to show that she wasn't afraid of anybody and she was confident she was going to win. So what better a way to do that than take off all your armor and be vulnerable and yet still ride with confidence down your streets. This this had to be super fucking shocking and maybe a little exciting to some people, let's just be real, but it also intimidated them because they'd never, a lot of these guys had never seen a woman do that or be that unconventional or fearless. And so it was a psychological tactic that worked, I guess, you know. Now, the last thing I want to really talk about, and this was 
we talked about how she was captured, right? And so her life was actually really marred with a lot of different traumatic incidents. That's why I said, if you guys want me to go more in depth, I definitely can. I just don't want to bore you guys too much. But there were a lot of dramatic scenes in her life. And that included being captured by uh, Cesare Borgia in 1499. Now she was imprisoned, but she managed to escape. How? You're gonna laugh because it's like the most stereotypical thing that you've seen in movies, right? She literally made a rope of bed sheets and lowered herself from a window and then ran away. That's right, she pulled the full on freaking Rapunzel, Rapunzel kind of thing. Now, this escape solidified her reputation as being a smart and resourceful woman who could outwit even the most formal adversaries, including Borgia, right? Pretty impressive. This woman, I tell you, there are so many great legends and stories about her. I hope you guys take the chance to go out and like learn more about her because I think we focus so much on the Medicis and the Borgia and the Pope that we forget that there were women behind them that were doing amazing things too. And Caterina Sforza was definitely one of them. And there you have it guys. We have taken a little trip through Katarina Sports's life, discussed her amazing resilience and intelligence and her willingness to just be the badass bitch she was, you know. It definitely sometimes during her story unfolds kind of like a soap opera, but she was so unique that the fact that she goes undiscussed really is amazing. Now, this episode is in the, the can. We're ready to move on to the next one. And if you want to talk more about Katarina Sforza, you can always, of course, reach out to me on social media and through my email. Those are all in the description notes. And I will also leave some links to resources. That way, if you're interested in learning more about Katarina Sforza, you have it all at hand. And guys, until next time, keep searching and figuring out where are all the ladies at because we're there we're here we're there we've been here all along and it's time that all the women of history got their moment in the spotlight all right guys we'll see you next time